It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. As you know, we like to look into the unintended and maybe less obvious consequences of technology in our lives. But today's a little different. The problem that Recode's Peter Kafka is joining us to explain is glaringly obvious, yet people don't seem to be talking about it. You might remember three, four, five years ago, all of a sudden we sort of collectively said, hey, these these phones that we walk around with that are baked into our lives, we're dependent on them. We ought to think about how much time we're spending on them, how we're interacting with them, how specific apps are designed to make us keep engaging with them, even if it doesn't make us feel that good. Maybe there's an addictive nature to our cell phone use. Well, now we're adding something that we know is addictive, that's sports gambling, sports betting. And no one's really talking about what seems to me very obvious possible consequences of adding one addictive substance to another addictive substance. Sports betting came on really quickly. It's something um, lots of folks have been clamoring for for years because sports betting has existed mostly as an illegal activity for many years. Traditionally, big broadcasters, big media companies wouldn't acknowledge it outright, even though lots of people were betting on a football game, they wouldn't talk about it. And in 2018, the Supreme Court gave the go-ahead to make sports betting legal on a state-by-state basis. The court struck down a federal law that banned gambling on sports games in most of the country. Justices ruled seven to two on the case. That was a court case pursued by the state of New Jersey, which then promptly made online sports betting legal in New Jersey in 2018. There's an old adage that you bet with your head, not with your heart. So for the past seven years, our heads and hearts were in alignment as we fought to overturn an unlawful and unfair federal law. We knew in our heads we were right. And we knew in our hearts that we'd win. And since then, dozens of states have come online. We expect more to come over the next couple of years. And what's the incentive to get involved, both for the states considering legalization and also for people like you and me, who these companies want to attract? So I think one argument is, hey, consenting adults are doing this. We ought to let them do it. We ought to not make this criminal. Same debates you've heard about repealing prohibition on alcohol decades ago, um, similar to the movement to decriminalize marijuana in lots of states. More practically, you see a lot of states saying, well, even if we don't want to do it, if our neighboring state is going to do it, we're going to see people heading over, literally crossing the border and going to gamble. We can make tax revenue when this happens. And if we don't legalize it, we're going to lose that tax revenue to our neighboring states. So it's kind of a domino effect. As more states do it, there's more pressure on the remaining states to follow suit. And what about the people who will be betting in apps? So the debate, and I've been asking people who've been circling online gambling for years now, who's your target market? Or do you want to get the people who are already betting, they're doing it sort of in a gray market, maybe they've got a bookie, maybe they're doing it with an online casino outside of the US. Do you want to bring those existing gamblers in? Or do you want to bring in people who don't gamble or who maybe their entire exposure to sports betting is, you know, putting money in a March Madness pool once a year or putting a bet on the Super Bowl when their friend goes to Las Vegas? And the answer usually is both. The sports betting companies are flooding the airwaves. You want to get in on one of the biggest gambles in Super Bowl history? Open or download the DraftKings app for your share of the free million dollar Super Bowl bet. Fortune awaits! 
lots of advertising telling people that you can, you know, bet for free, basically. We'll give you $500 and either real money or credits to go ahead and bet. So you literally can't lose if you place bets with us the first time. You know, I've spent time with the apps myself. They clearly are aimed at people who know what a parlay is, for instance, but it's also not rocket science. They make it very, very easy to download an app, connect your debit card or your bank account, and start betting right away. As long as you are in a state, and there's geolocation restrictions around this that allows this to to happen, you can literally do it from your couch, from the bar, from your car, a couple clicks, and you've placed a bet. Who are some of the big names in mobile sports betting? So if you've been to Las Vegas, you'll recognize names like Caesars and MGM. And then you've also got two relative newcomers, FanDuel and DraftKings. And not coincidentally, those guys flooded the airways with ads when they were trying to break into the market so much so that sort of everyone recoiled and said, you've got to stop advertising so much. And now they have a clear lead in online sports betting. You're also seeing media companies attach themselves in one way or another. That includes Vox Media. We've got an affiliate deal with DraftKings where we send people to DraftKings to have them bet. Barstool Sports, uh, that's Dave Portnoy's company, they sold themselves to a regional casino operator called Penn National a couple years ago, and they're very clearly trying to get that audience to come bet. So anyone who can touch this is trying to touch this now. And that, by the way, that includes companies like Disney, which for years said, we don't want anything to do with sports betting. In fact, at one point, they were going to invest in DraftKings and then got cold feet because they didn't want the Disney brand attached to gambling. Now they fully embrace it. It seems like there's a tremendous amount of money at stake here. Do you have any idea of the figures these companies are spending to market these new experiences? I haven't seen a total number on the ad expenditure, but I know, for instance, DraftKings, which is a public company, disclosed in their recent filing, they spent a billion dollars on sales and marketing in the last year, and they expect that number to go up this year. So you can multiply that times several other companies at a minimum trying to get you to come in. This is similar to lots of other tech races we've seen in the past where companies are spending a lot of money. They're willing to lose a lot of money in order to acquire customers now and eventually profit down the line. Right. I think you mentioned some of these companies are actually just giving money away for people to bet. Do you know how successful they've been at drawing people in? We know that in the first month that New York opened up sports betting, people bet $2 billion dollars. It already looks like a big win for the state and the casinos. 5.8 million locations were checked over a 12-hour period in New York on Saturday. And that doesn't include Super Bowl Sunday, so that number will go up. March Madness, which is sort of the other Super Bowl of sports betting, is coming up very soon. So there's an enormous amount of money flooding in once these markets turn on. Now, what about the phone makers? Apple, like Disney, has some sort of moral qualms about doing certain things. And I wonder if Google does, too. Do these companies care that people are using their devices to gamble? Both allow this to exist. And they basically say they have rules about online gambling apps. But they essentially those rules are they have to be legal. You can't have an online sports betting app that works in California right now because you can't legally bet in California. But beyond that, they're essentially treated like any other app, which means there's no other restrictions between a gambling app in New York and a weather app in New York. They're all treated the same. Well, as they're allowing gambling to happen on their devices, are there changes that Apple and Google are thinking about making to make sports betting on phones safer for the user? So I've asked both Apple and Google, and by the way, I've asked the sports betting companies themselves, and no one seems to be aware of any interest or movement afoot to rein in sports betting apps. And I 
pretty much know that because I've been asking all these companies for years because it seems so obvious that at some point, either out of concern for their users, out of uh, legal liability concerns, that they might restrict gambling apps in some way just so someone doesn't inevitably turn around and sue a company or, or worse and say, hey, I, Apple or Google, you made it way too easy for me to lose all my money sports betting. And to also contrast that with efforts both companies have made, and Apple in particular, to say, we want the iPhone to be a healthy device. We have screen time now to tell you how much time you're spending on your phone with the suggestion that you should spend a little less. We're putting essentially nutritional labels on the app to tell you what's in them so you don't end up downloading something that you didn't expect, something that's going to profit off your data, etc. And again, just to be clear, I don't necessarily think we should restrict gambling apps. There's lots of other things you can spend your time doing on your iPhone that are also not good for you. You can bet too much on day trading through Robinhood. You can have booze delivered from Drizzly. If you live in California or Michigan, Ease will deliver a weed to your home. And again, I think it's all fine for consenting adults to do that. But I do think inevitably there is going to be a, a collision between casino companies, online sports betting companies that want you to bet as much as possible. It's a volume game. It's a low margin business. So they need you to bet a lot and regular people who probably shouldn't be betting a lot day to day. Well, with that tension in mind, do the sports betting companies seem at all concerned that the plug could be yanked on them? I've been asking people in sports betting literally for years, since 2017, when it seemed clear that there was going to be legalization of sports betting, if they were concerned about the phone companies putting restrictions on them. And they basically look at me like I'm wearing clown makeup. They, they literally can't understand the question. They point out that they themselves have restrictions that are supposed to prevent you from betting more than you can. If you've ever heard or seen a sports betting ad, you know that there's sort of this like torrent of language at the end explaining that you have a problem, you should call such and such sports betting helpline. By the way, I talked to the people who run one of these sports betting helplines or a gambling helpline in New Jersey, and they've seen sports betting related calls skyrocket, not surprisingly, since 2018. We have certainly made it easy to gamble using your phone, whether it's legal sports betting, whether it's betting on NFTs, whether it's betting on crypto. There's obviously a connection between, I think, all of these things. There's also a connection between the fact that a lot of this is happening during what is still a pandemic when people are in many places still at home or restricted from doing other things. There's a question about how attractive all of this will be once we're back to sort of a more normalized state. There's also a question of, you know, if, if the stock market continues to sort of wobble down and day trading is less attractive to people who had that itch, then find another place to scratch it and then they move from day trading to sports betting. We don't know. It's clear that some percentage of people will have a difficult time reining themselves in with sports betting once it's made legal on their phones. Well, Peter, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Peter, you're going to be back in the feed tomorrow. We'll be sharing a Recode Media episode. Can you give us a little preview of what you'll be covering on the show? Sure, I'm talking to my friend and former colleague, Mike Isaac, who wrote a best-selling book about Uber, which is now going to be a television show on Showtime called Super Pump. We're going to talk about turning your book into a movie. And also the fact that Mike also now has plans to turn another book, one that he hasn't written, this one's about Facebook slash Meta, into a TV show as well. And we'll also check in with Mike, whose day job is, is working as a New York Times tech reporter about Facebook itself and how it's handling uh, what seems to be a real reversal in fortune. All right. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by Taylor Macon. The mix is by Melissa Ponce from Hemlock Creek Productions. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.